The Burroughs of Berea is a conversational podcast. We study the Bible and we talk about it. Not all of us are of the same faith, and one of us doesn't actually have a faith. And that's wonderful. We all love one another, and we're going to continue to talk about these things. The things we believe in and the things we believe about what we read in the Bible. Not all of these are necessarily true. Some of it is opinion and speculation. Thank you for listening and speculating with us. There you go. That was good. Yes. (laughs) You are listening to the Burroughs of Berea. Nody no 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 nody no no notes nody no notes from the underground. Okie doke, folks. Welcome back to Notes from the Underground, where we take a microscope to some of Christianity's thornier topics and people. I am your host, Tiziana Mom So Hard Severse. How you mom and so hard? Just shut the front door. <laughs> I ain't trying to heat the outside. <laughs> You don't even pay the bills in this house. Shut the door. My sister, that that shut the front door reference. My sister used to say, "Shut the f in front door," but she said the word. You know? yeah, sure. I was like, "I think you missed the, like the point." You like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You're not supposed to. Yeah, it's a euphemism. Because shut the front door. You're supposed to avoid saying the f word, but she like she missed it. She well, missed. have you not seen Tim Hawkins? It's a long time the, ago. Uh, Christian cuss words. Oh no! But I have seen a reel. My sister sent me a reel of like when he you're does, when you're YouTube saved. It. Yeah, <laughs> he, he did it. He put it out on social media, Facebook, saying, "Hey, what are your Christian cuss words?" And he does them all, oh. and it is pee your pants. Hysterical. And as a mom, yeah. I already have that problem. Yeah, pee your pants, funny. <laughs> Nothing I'm like send you a reel my sister sent me, where it's like when you're saved, but you know you you still have to you know still have the devil in your fart whatever. knockers. Yeah, you know, and like and it's like this woman who every time she wants to cuss, like she sings like a gospel song instead that has a similar like word to start. It's hysterical. <laughs> Anywho, to my right, I have Rick. The Potfather, Welch. I like that one. I'm going to make you a podcast you can't refuse. Yeah. (laughs) And sitting next to him is Sarita the Edge Edgerton. Thanks for having me today. so glad you're here. And behind the glass, Rockamane Andy Bishop. She's living on the edge. Yes. And his apple. Living on the edge. And his cat. I will mute my microphone before I start crunching (laughs) into this apple. Yeah, that's a good idea. That's a good idea. Although I, you don't mute mine before I burp. I should start putting up a finger every time I'm in a belt. So you can just, <laughs> just give you an advanced warning instead of making you do that in editing. Yeah. Although you might enjoy it. I don't know. <laughs> Most of listen, the time. Listen, if it makes them you laugh, do you, butterfly. I don't, I, don't, I don't want to tell you how to live your life. So in any case, folks, we are jumping back into Ruth. We have been studying Ruth for quite a while. We've gotten through chapters one and two and chapter three. Uh, In the last episode, we went ahead and did a quick recap, but I'm going to avoid that today. And I'm just going to ask that if you are brand new to this conversation, that you stop now and go back and reread, because we have covered or re-listened to those first three episodes. We have covered so much uh, historical, cultural, spiritual significance that it's going to be difficult to encapsulate all of that into a quick recap. Um, Additionally, in the last episode, we spent over an hour just in Ruth chapter three because there is so much rich information and room for speculation and more importantly, room for the revelation of the glory of God. So go visit that real quick. And we'll wait for you right here. Now, if you have already Kate followed Deanna's along. Kate Deanna's giving me eyeballs because I'm intentionally chewing apple and 
into the microphone because I'm like, I don't know, it might be an interesting sound sample later, but it's muted so they can't hear it. But Tiziana is looking at me like I'm mad. <laughs> I'm like, what kind of like, what kind of dark magic are you doing over there that you're like silently eating an apple? Literally the most impossible thing to do. You can silently eat a lot of stuff, an apple, it ain't one of them. Nope. Yeah. It is not. But in any case, so we're, <laughs> there you go. That's what I was expecting. That's what I was expecting. That was a good soundbite, actually, dude. Literal <laughs> soundbite. Oh. <laughs> it was a soundbite. Oh, yes. man. So cheesy. All right. So so before we jump into Ruth chapter four, we're going to do, we are going to recap quickly where we were at, because I don't know that we fully settled the end of Ruth chapter three. Where we left off was the debate was raging about whether or not Ruth and Boaz sort of banged it out that first night or whether or not. Funny. Well, I mean, yeah. just, that's how the kids these days say it. But or whether or not he was just so impressed with the fact that within the environment of the threshing floor and an erotically charged environment, she was looking good. She was smelling good. She'd been mingling and circulating. We don't know whether or not his response to her being faithful and 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 loyal and all the things he said and and what what you could have gone after a younger man or a rich right. man but instead you chose me you know we don't know whether or not um his desire to get up quickly the next day and get this whole thing sorted yeah. was because he was he wanted to get the deed done. And we, we gotta we gotta make we gotta be careful not to put the high Christological viewpoint of Christ all the way back into his lineage. Because yeah. that his lineage was messy. Sure. And so you know, just like you said with yeah. uh, Judah and Tamar, the, you know, it's not it, it's easy to look back and say, well, no, you know, Christ was righteous, and so therefore his lineage had to be. It was not. His lineage was a train wreck. And I think that's the point. Well, and also, you know, when it comes to whether or not whether or not Ruth slept with Boaz, where it says she approached him secretly or stealthily, we'd have to look up the Hebrew there to find out what exactly that word means. Would you like me to do that right now? I would love for you to do that right so now. So what would have happened if Boaz hadn't have gone down to the threshing floor that night? Yeah. yeah. He would have been ruthless. Oh! <laughs> that joke made its way back. Oh! I'm yeah. so glad. Oh, man, Serena, I was like looking at you eyes wide. I was expecting you to drop some knowledge, but no, it was just a good old fashioned punny joke. Sorry. No, don't be she sorry. I was trying to cover him looking up the Hebrew word. She, yeah, yeah, yeah. She was going to take a Moabite out of somebody else. Yeah. <laughs> she would have taken a Moabite out of somebody See, else. See, play on words are just awful, aren't they? Are they? I don't know. I don't I'm, know. I'm, I'm just looking for this word and I, I have to get my Strong's yeah. concordance well, out Well, let's here. continue to set the stage a little bit right because ahead. really it's like, what we're trying to figure out, because some of the, again, we we look at what are the arguments, because we don't know, right? The argument being maybe she did sleep with him that first night, the argument being that she didn't. Um, if, if she did, one of the reasons why people have a hard time absorbing that is, again, because it would be like seen as unrighteous or it wouldn't have been holy and all this other stuff. However, when... Judah and Tamar, when Tamar dresses as a prostitute, sleeps with Judah, her father-in-law, and then when she becomes pregnant and Judah wants to stone her, which would have been what would have happened, you know, and she produces the cloak and the staff that she had taken from him as quote-unquote payment and says, all right, if you're going to stone me, then you're required to stone the person who made me pregnant, which is also a law in Leviticus later on. Um, he's like, oh, no. And what does he say? He says, you are more righteous than I. So in that, and we can look that up too. 
But in that, yeah, go ahead. What's the Hebrew word there? The Hebrew word uh, in the King James version, it's used as she came to him softly, and the yeah, the Hebrew word is lot, lot, Um, and it is properly uh, secret by the implication of incantation. I thought that was interesting, or enchantment. Oh, okay. So, so there's a. It's almost like she came to him under the cover of night, and like, yeah, in a secret way. Like she was, she did not want to be seen, yeah, by she, someone. Yeah, when she came to him, yeah, she was she not going to be seen by other to people. Are you a gold it. digger? Which yeah, is the same way. That, which, they, yeah, which is also the way that he sent her out. Yes, remember before that before people right. recognized before, one another. Yeah, so she came in before anybody could see her. So, so there were she, bodies laying on top of bodies. And- if she was out there on the floor kind of like living it up, doing her thing, and he saw her and all that stuff, then as the night went on later on, then she didn't want anybody else to see her, but she went to him right. in a secret way. Interesting. Well, so, yeah. So so essentially what we're experiencing when we read that particular moment then is like this extraordinarily like intimate experience between these two people. They didn't mm-hmm. want anyone else's eyeballs, anyone else's interfering. Have you ever sat down with a like uh, a lover or, or a really, really great friend after a party? You oh, know, the yeah. party's raged and then it's afterwards oh, and you guys yeah. just, have you ever had one of those that's, talks? Yeah. Some of the best the talks of my time. life happen. Yeah. But there's oh, also- Yeah, very good. We had the wedding. It was all exciting. Then we went and sat on the dock afterwards and talked yeah. all night. Yeah. That's a great way. But there's also something to be said, again, of the intimacy of pillow talk. Yep. That's a good point. Which is what's happening. I mean, whether or not they had sex. To a lot of people. There's a lot of pillow talk going around that fishing floor that yeah, night. Yeah, well, exactly. Well, <laughs> or, or, I don't know. See, that's the thing. I don't know if prostitutes spent the night on the threshing floor and then got up and went Probably in the morning not. or if they just collected their pay and went. Well, it I don't said know. before people recognized one another. So was that hey, you slept with that prostitute and you slept with that prostitute and you, or was or it just it the men been, recognizing one another? It might have been, and I don't know. So listen. Probably I'm, just means like daylight. It might have also been that that's when they collected their pay based on where they landed. I mean, I don't know because I'm pretty sure it wasn't like orgy style, right? The threshing floor no, is a wide no, no, open place. Like so, right. So it's possible that the choosing of the partner happened, but then like the actual deed didn't go down until the lights were out and everyone was asleep. So if you stayed there that night, when you woke up in the morning, maybe that's when you got your pay. We need an expert on ancient Near East prostitution. Yes. To come tell us. Because when it comes to Judah and Tamar, that's why she kept the staff and that the would cloak be a Dr. because Ruth he didn't Westheimer. have any money. Right, he didn't have any money yet. He was on his way to get his sheep shearing, well, and he would have had money. It's possible with listeners that one among them would, you know, know, know the answer to that, that question. sort of historical data. Yeah, right. Yeah, and then so, and I'm also reading Genesis 38. I'm just kind of like, you know, now it was about three months later. So what I'm going to read real quickly is the story of Judah and Tamar. I I enjoy that the heathen in the room is right here because heathen in the room. I know that he doesn't know what we're talking about half the time, but it also means that I don't. It's that true. yeah, but also that means that when I explain it to Andy, there might be someone else out there who also has no idea what I'm talking That's about. That's right. That's part so, of my job. Because right, that's part of your role here <laughs> on the show. So when we talk about the story of Judah and Tamar, I'm about to read how that story culminates. It's in Genesis, which again, that's well before the law. Genesis 38, verse 24. Now, it was about three months later that Judah, who we had already 
disgust slept with his daughter-in-law who was disguised as a prostitute because he would refuse to fulfill the Levirate law mm-hmm. and give her his son to give birth for his children because his pre- her previous husband, his older son, had died two times. Anyway, so he sleeps with her and it's about three months later, which is when she starts to show because I didn't have pregnancy tests back then. Yeah. The only indicator was whether or not you stopped having a period and whether or not you started to show. So it was about three months later that Judah was informed, your daughter-in-law Tamar has prostituted herself and behold, she is also pregnant by prostitution. Then Judah said, bring her out and have her burned. It was while she was being brought out that she sent word to her father-in-law saying, I am pregnant by the man to whom these things belong. She also said, please examine and see whose signet ring and cords and staff are these. And Judah recognized them and said, she is more righteous than I since I did not give her to my son, Sheila. And he did not have relations with her again. So, so, dude, so I just found out something. Go ahead. You stuck me on. You stuck. You Break made the mistake of yeah. giving me the strong concordance. Oh, do it. Are you going to get into the uncovering of the feet and what that means? That's what I was talking I, yeah, about I in was, the last episode. I was, I was super. Do you know what it is? Now. Yeah. Well, what? I I know that there are lots of speculations. Some of them being it was uncovering his penis. Listen, there was a joke that we did on the interlude. Okay. Uh huh. The interlude we talked about how it said that whenever. Uh, Zippera circumcised her son, and she took the flesh and threw it at Moses' feet. Remember that? Uh-huh. And then I had said that the Bible actually said, or his genitals, and we went back and forth on that. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> Billy was like, which one stinks worse, you know? And, <laughs> um, but the uncovering of his feet in their culture is actually, it's something that they would say, like, if they were going to pee. They didn't have pants and stuff or toilets. Like, they were yeah. out uncovering their feet, like, moving away things from their feet, but it's also exposing their genitals. That's, yeah. That is literally what it says. So she is like, yeah. You know, like he woke up like, whoa, what's up with this? <laughs> so it's a, around so, where all those workers would so have been. So it's kind too. of a euphemism. It, it, it I, is. So, so again, sorry if I stole your thunder. No, I, I just said, happened to cross it. I literally said that in the last episode. Yeah. I, I said it quietly and yeah, not yeah. like I didn't yeah, make a big deal it. out of it because it's just, it's just interesting to have, yeah. Because some people don't think that. Some people do, some people don't. And I didn't feel, because I have not done quite enough research for the people that don't think that is. I also, because for me, uncovering, I, you know, when um, in uh, Noah, when his son uncovers his nakedness and then calls his brothers in to see him, that also for many people is a euphemism. They think that there's some people that's, that the suggestion is he, he R-worded his dad when mm. he was passed out drunk as, right. a sh- as a show of power, authority, and domination. Wow. Which is... Wow. I've never now, heard that. So that's a new one. When June comes around and it's Pride Month, I will focus my notes on the underground on homosexuality in the Bible. And we'll start from the beginning and we'll do a deep dive and a deep study on times and places. And we'll talk about it in terms of its cultural context. Because prior to the modern age, homosexuality in the Bible was not, was almost, well, never. It was never about loving relation. It was always about power, control, and domination. Always. There was no conceptualization for it, even in Greek society. And again, people will argue with me that are Greek scholars, and that's totally fine. The homosexual sex happening within Greek culture was predatory, and it was not about love. And in cultures where sex with men was kind of seen as this sort of power and dominance thing, it created a lot of trauma, and it it denigrated the status of women. So when you see in Greek, ancient Greece, Mm. 
when you see the men, like the David is all naked, but like the Venus is clothed or whatever, it's not because they wanted to be modest towards Greek women. It was because they didn't think a Greek woman's body was beautiful enough to be depicted naked. Mm. Because that, yeah. So don't get me started on the Greeks. Yeah. And again, Greek scholars out there, apologize to you, but don't get me started. It's all Greek to me. Don't and get I, me started. I've heard, I've read and heard all this, so I'll be interested to see where you head with that. Yeah, and we can we can talk about it. We'll talk about it. And we can do that in honor of Pride Month because, spoiler alert, I don't think the Bible says what we think it says about the consensual, loving, committed relationship of two consensual adults. There's, I just a, don't lot, think it does. there's a lot of people that disagree. I've talked to a lot of different people, and it's this. It's going to be hairy all up in the studio, and I look forward to it. It's great radio. Let's have some fun with that one. Yeah. Well, and, and I, I we can call in other people, too, if you want. Because I mean, yeah. like I said, I'm, I've done it. My my study on this isn't just based in in Bible. It's also based in. An, I mean, I take class. Take, no, I took a class, yeah. but it's like also She's based in like a, a study theologian. of like. But it's also like a study of Greek culture and how Greek culture became one of the largest influential. Uh-huh. Movements of of the ancient times. I mean, it, in it's, the Western it's, world. Oh yeah. yeah, I mean it's 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 as. The only parallel we can think of is how American and United, how American culture has become this sort of standard all over the world that people are emulating it and following after it and everything. It was like that in, in ancient times, and so you can't un, you can't untangle the two. Yeah. Like when you're reading Unhinged. about ancient times, yeah. you have to also understand that Greek culture played such a significant and prominent role in everybody's lives that you almost have to kind of also entangle Greek culture in order to understand what was going on. And um, I have a lot of thoughts and feelings about that. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, that sounds good. And I got to be honest with you, that's one of the things Derek Lambert does. He breaks it down, son. He gets way you know, back into the Greek and and those influences on Palestine in the early days. Mm. And it's it's fascinating. It's fascinating. It really is. Yeah. But back to our story. So it is possible, and there are some people that believe when Ruth uncovers his his feet, that it's a euphemism for she she uncovered his bits and was like, yo, let's get down. Right? Like basically it was saying, bits. I want to marry you. But it was, yeah. yeah. So it <laughs> It puts him in a compromising position. It puts him in a compromising position. He either needs to uh, to to deny her in that moment, or you know, and that was Ruth's goal all or Naomi's goal all along. Naomi's goal from the very beginning of this entire uh, enterprise in chapter three was to secure Ruth's future, secure her husband, and proceed with the process of of redeeming. Naomi's land, which obviously would have gone to Naomi's or to Ruth's firstborn. So in in essence, Naomi's redeeming the land for herself, but she's also redeeming it for Ruth. That's right. Because Ruth's the one whose son is going to work the land. Ruth's the one whose son is going to own the land. Ruth's mm-hmm. the one whose son is going to benefit in Naomi's lineage. Yeah. But you know, so there's hmm. a there again back to faithfulness, as as Ruth has enacted this extraordinary act of faithfulness. Chess said to. Naomi, by going home with her, doing the hard work of gleaning so that Naomi doesn't have to experience the shame. Mm -hmm. Here, Naomi now is going out of her way to redeem something that belonged to her, but so that it will benefit Ruth. Yeah. Yeah. So when we ended uh, that story, Naomi had said to Ruth, let's go and see what the man does because he will not rest. Mm-hmm. Until this matter is settled, because unfortunately for and I, I don't know if I don't think Naomi knew there was a nearer. I don't know if Naomi knew that knew that that's what was going on, mm. because 
that's she says, oh, well, let's let's wait and see what he does then, because the man won't let it rest until it's done. She knew that he was honorable enough. Oh, I think she knew exactly what was going on. I think she knew there was a nearer and I think she knew to go to Boaz's place. See, I think she's smart. I think Naomi is a beautiful mind. Yeah. And, and 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 again, the only reason why I think that she that maybe they did have sex and maybe Boaz didn't realize it was her until he woke up later or, or I don't know. However, it worked out um, because it's dark on the threshing floor after that. That's why he's like, you know, feeling about in the dark, like what is going on? Who is this? What? Is, who are you? You know, he doesn't know because he can't see. Uh, so I'm curious if two things, if, if he, if Naomi did set Ruth up to potentially have sex and potentially become pregnant, knowing like we just read in the law of, in, in the story of Judah and Tamar, if she had become pregnant by prostitution, she would have been burned to death. Right. But, but if, so if she did get sleep with Boaz, it could have been, we need to settle this right now because I honor her. I care for her. I don't want to see her suffer. I'm the one that slept with her, you know, or whatever. Yes. Yeah, so and you I, have two it, ways you know, of looking at the urgency. Her. It's either urgent because yeah. of, the, of the bad way or urgent because he loves her and it's very pure and honorable. Either way, he loves her and it's pure either and honorable. Way it's I don't even think it's a bad, I don't think it's bad that he would want to, you know, like. Well, if he just doesn't want the nearer to get pissed off because of what he did. Or he, you know, or he wants her to get married and have sex with the near as soon as possible so that they can at least say it was if she gets pregnant, yeah. you know. Because yeah. there's, we don't know. The thing is, they don't know if she got pregnant or not. Mm-hmm. Like, he is not aware of what happened. Isn't and that, it's, it, it, it kind of like the way David handled Uriah with Bathsheba, remember? Right. He's like, all right, get them together. So just because he'd already had right. sex with Bathsheba. Right. So he's like, let's get them together. And Uriah was so honorable. He's like, I'm not even having sex with my own wife when my guys are on the <sighs> yeah, f- front line. Exactly. You know? So it's possible so that these Boaz men was trying thought to do this that. Way. That was their culture. They thought this way. Yeah. Hurry up and, and get this her was married. Long and before let her- David, right? It is. And, and, and you know, and, and just in terms of long, prostitution so. is like the oldest, one of the oldest professions in the world, right? Mm-hmm. Sheepskin condoms have been around. Since as long as yeah. there's been, cons- yeah. Then they cons- recently find out, find yeah. out like an older one. It was a couple. I say recently, it's probably in the last five yeah. years or something. But yeah, so it's also possible that Naomi <laughs> and Ruth had that Ruth had carried contraception with her, a prolactic. Yeah. I was we wondering about that because, like, as dangerous as prostitution is under any circumstances, or as taxing, maybe. Yeah. Uh, can you imagine a world with no contraception? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but they knew how to not get pregnant. They knew to spill their seat on the ground. The they knew to wear condoms. They knew, yeah, they knew. The Catholics can imagine a world. Yeah, they knew how to do all of that. The Catholics but, I mean, can do that. They can in, imagine a world that doesn't have contraception. Right. Mm, that's but, all they're doing. <laughs> they're, they're imagining it. You're imagining it. <laughs> but even, even in modern times, condoms are only like, what, 99.9% effective against pregnancy when used correctly? So I'm sure that in ancient times, there were plenty of pregnancies that happened, even though they were using these like sheepskin prolactics. Sure. And there's also home home remedies for audiosing and unwanted pregnancy that yeah, women knew about. royalty, probably not that, that necessarily, had been but doing, that's the, yeah. yeah, just to kind of like force a period, you know, at some point. So, but I mean, you know, I guess, I guess what I mean to say, and what I would like to take away from this conversation is, whether or not they slept together or whether or not they didn't sleep together, Either way, God's still in the story and it's still righteous. Either way, it's That's not, right. it doesn't matter to me one way or the other. I don't have a strong attachment to one version or the other. My challenge is when people have a strong attachment to them not sleeping together because that's the righteous version. Whereas Tamar sleeping with Judah, his literal words are, she is more, righteous, more righteous than, than I. I. Because yeah. You, yeah, that's right. Well, when I teach history and I teach yeah. for my homeschool co-op, you know, one of the things I start out the year 
by saying, because we're doing U.S. history this year, we cannot put our morality on 400 years ago, on 1,000 years ago, on what, what we consider our moral standards of today may not have been yeah. even close to what the Moabites, the Israelites, these people were doing I would say that's doing back absolutely then. true on a number of and, fronts, right? Uh, well, yeah. yes. And so we talk about it in the, in the lens of talking about slavery and, and, and um, African-American issues and things like that. We can't put our morality that what we can – modern day morality on how many ever years ago? You know, and, and I can't put my morality on Andy, and Andy can't put his morality. He can't judge me through his lens of morality, and I can't judge him through my lens of morality. Right. And we, we just have to be careful when we're speaking to one another and when we're speaking yeah. about history and we're speaking about Bible that we're not putting 21st century American standards on people who did not have the same Culture. Standards, yeah. Culture, things were different. Things looked different. Things smelled different. Things, everything. Yeah. People were different, and so we we just have to, you know, a lot of us come from very puritanical backgrounds, um, you know, with our with our sense of morality and like Andy was saying about the ideas of of sex and e- even those are very puritanical, mm-hmm. very, uh, you know, Mayflower compact kind of things. But even that wasn't the whole story for them. And, and that's not the whole story for us. I mean, we can say we have all these puritanical views, but look at our culture. Look at our society. It is not. Yeah, that. sure. But we have yeah. to be very careful not to, to – we, we, we can't help but look at this through yeah. the lens of, of our, the way we believe and the way we think. But we have to kind of look at it was – what was she doing? What was she thinking? What was he thinking? What was Naomi thinking? What was culturally what was this, relevant what was, for them? Yeah, what yeah. was relevant for them? Yeah. And then bind all of that up and say, what is the proverbial point? That what and, and then what is and why did point? it make it into the Bible? And then why did why does God speak to so many people through these four chapters? Yeah, four chapters. We did this with Esther. Why? Yeah, when he's not even mentioned. We talked about this. If you haven't listened to Esther, go back and listen to that series as well. Why is it so important that it was included in the canon? So what does God want me to glean from this for myself, for my family, for my culture? Yeah. Because yeah. you can thrive and be redeemed despite the culture. Yeah. That's what this is about. Yeah. We can thrive. We can know God. We can be at peace with God despite the culture. Which is exactly what she was saying earlier. If you, I don't know if you felt that tinge, the Christian tinge, when she started talking about homosexuality. How hard is it for us, who have you know, been around this culture for so long, and how hard it is to believe? We, we know certain scriptures, and we've been told them. And, and when she says, well, I don't believe it's uh, to be understood that way, there's an uncomfortable feeling when you start sort of branching outside of that puritanical look at it. Maybe so if nothing can separate you from the love of God, can homosexuality? Yes, it can because it's an abomination. I understand where you're going from, but it's not about the act, it's about the human being. That's what we're talking about here. So it gets interesting. There, you know, you know, it's and, the same thing we were discussing about abortion earlier. Yeah. I mean, abortion cannot separate us from the it's the same sin is sin. Yes. Sin is missing the mark, 
And whether that sin is telling a little white lie to your teacher about your homework Mm -hmm. or abortion, it is killing. I mean, it it is. It is. Or thou shall not murder. If you get right down to it, in my in my opinion and in my studies, you know, homosexuality is it is a stand-in word for sex that is uh, wrapped up in power and control and desire that does not treat the other person as a living human being. How many times have I done that with a straight guy? I don't know. Like, <laughs> like, I was going to guess. Well, like, okay. I'm going to say two. Just to be fair, not very many. <laughs> I was going to say. Just gonna, to be clear. I was going to say. But what I'm yeah. saying is, you know, is that. Is that, that might is need that, elaboration. Just as. <laughs> let me be clear, ladies and gentlemen. Listen, and, bro. 76th yeah, time. And everyone and else. I'm, I'm just going to. I'm still going to try. But what I'm saying is, is that the conversation <laughs> is when you're having sex outside of a loving, consensual, committed experience where two people are being respectful of the magical power that exists within that particular union it that is graced by God. And I, I've done that. So I, I guess I'm just as guilty as a homosexual person, quote unquote, if that's the read we're, we're going to take guilty. on it. We're all guilty. We're all guilty for all kinds of reasons. Yeah. That's not what, you know, justification by faith isn't because we act good and we're better at acting better than others. That's not what it's about. It's always been about yeah. the love of God and what Christ did for us. No matter what you continue to deal with throughout the course of your life. You know, yeah. I'm a terrible gossip. I'll just say that out loud. Yeah. You gossip I love on yourself, me some bro. Tea. Like if someone's <laughs> got something to tell me about somebody else, I'm like, it's like, I'm like, what's uh, Olivia Dukakis's character in Steel Magnolias? Nice to say, come, come sit, sit right next, next to me. To me. Yeah. <laughs> I do. So it's like, no, it's so that means that's something I, it, I my husband had never seen it, and we watched it together, and he absolutely loved it. My yeah. husband is a delight, really. He's quite adorable. But anyway, he, he loved that movie. But he so um, the the point being, I'm going to struggle with that for the rest of my life, probably. But like, that's not a demon I'm going to slay until the day I don't have a mouth, you know, yeah. to to you know, or a pair of ears to hear the tea, you know. But the fact that that's an ongoing issue for me, even as it's ongoing, doesn't separate me from the love of Christ. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't separate me from being a person who is working out my my issues in real time. So when I know a person who has, uh, who is working out their sexual issues in real time, maybe they have a problem with, you know, pornography. Maybe they have a problem with, you know, lo- casual sex. Maybe they have a problem with a certain t- dynamic that's not fully consensual or that, no, that, see, that's, I won't even, that is unacceptable. Maybe they have a dynamic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm not going to go there. But like, or maybe they have a thing with like casual sex that whatever. I don't care. The fact of the matter is even it's possible for that person to be saved Mm -hmm. and continuing to work out that trauma and Mm -hmm. continuing to be redeemed from that issue. So it's important as as believers, we like to think of our righteousness being, because we say from glory to glory, like a ladder. And you don't get to defeat this until you, you don't get to climb to to rung number 62 until you've beat rung number 42. And 42 is gossip, you know, or 42, rung 42 is- is, Life's not a neat progression of events in that way. It's not, it's Yeah, and I've met plenty of people that have a problem with, with, uh, you know, their sexuality, but have absolutely zero problems with not gossiping. That doesn't mean that they're better than me or I'm better than them. It's all the same. The purity culture that we grew up in in the 90s here in America really did a number in our brains because the reality is the Bible never teaches that you have to be perfect. It never did. Jesus said, be therefore perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. When you read that, you think, oh my goodness, how is that attainable? That's because He was. You're never going to attain it on your own. And as soon as you think you've got it, 
get ready for the storm, pal, because there's a storm coming. That's a concordance issue too, because the true translation of that word is merciful. Yeah, well, it's not even perfect. It's just be merciful. Oh, really? Father is well. Google it. Like, let's let's get into the real Hebrew. We haven't even got into Ruth four yet. We're not even in (laughs) Ruth four. We should probably we should probably steer this boat. Oh my gosh, my poor mother in law is at home with my infant. Like, hopefully she's okay. I just she hasn't texted me. I got a meme from from uh, from Sarita on this. You know, forty five minutes in. Now let's get to the you know the study. That's what we just did. That's how it works. (laughs) It's literally been forty five minutes. Okay, so what? Why don't we? So we've we've decided that. We don't know whether or not Ruth and Boaz slept together that first night, but we also don't care, right? right. That's what we've decided. So let's go ahead and read uh, read all of chapter four because we might as well. Like, yeah. Or at least, let's see. Let's get up to... Listen, if this has to be a part five, so what? Uh, it I might mean, have to be a part five. So what? Let's it, at this least... This has been some good stuff. This gets really interesting. So let's see. Let's at, let's at least read up to verse 11. Just uh, do you want me to read it? Rick, you haven't read yet. Let's let Sarita read. Let's let Sarita read. Now, Boaz went up to the gate and sat down there, and behold, the Redeemer of whom Boaz spoke was passing by. So he said, come over here, friend. Sit down here. (laughs) And he came over and sat down. Then he took 10 men of the elders of the city and said, sit down here. So they sat down. And he said to the Redeemer, Naomi, who has returned from the land of Moab, has to sell the plot of land which belonged to our brother Elimelech. So I thought that I would inform you, saying, Buy it before those who are sitting here and before the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, redeem it. But if not, tell me so that I may know. For there is no one except you to redeem it, and I am after you. And he said, I will redeem it. Then Boaz said, On the day you buy the field from the hand of Naomi, you must also acquire Ruth the Moabitess, the widow of the deceased, in order to raise up the name of the deceased on his inheritance. Then the Redeemer said, I cannot redeem it for myself, otherwise I would jeopardize my own inheritance. You redeem it for yourself. You may have my right of redemption, since I cannot redeem it. Now this was the custom in former times in Israel concerning the redemption and the exchange of land to confirm any matter. A man removed his sandal and gave it to another, and this was the way of confirmation in Israel. So the Redeemer said to Boaz, Buy it for yourself. And he removed his sandal. Then Boaz said to the elders and all the people, You are witnesses today that I have bought from the hand of Naomi all that belonged to Elimelech and all that belonged to Chilion and Malin. Furthermore, I have acquired Ruth the Moabitess, the widow of Malin, to be my wife in order to raise up the name of the deceased on his inheritance, so that the name of the deceased will not be eliminated from his brothers or the court of his birthplace. You are witnesses today. And all the people who were in the court and the elders said, We are witnesses. May the Lord make the woman who is coming into your home like Rachel and Leah, both of whom built the house of Israel. Let's stop there. Because, or, yeah, or go ahead. Sorry. Never mind. Go uh, ahead. Might I was as well. feeling, There's only a few. I felt it when you did, because when you see Leah and Rachel, you're like, oh, we got to hone in on this. We got to chat. No, but you might as well finish it. I'm sorry. And may you achieve wealth in Ephrathoth and become famous in Bethlehem. Oh, they do. Yeah. So I mean, Boaz is a 
freaking genius. He, well, he takes a page from but Naomi's book. Th- please read the next verse. Please read oh, yeah. the next oh, verse. Oh, yeah, yeah, you just said 11. It. So yeah, I, I did. Saw. Okay, read well, the go next ahead and read 12. Please, you can read 12. Because it goes on with what you said earlier. Yeah. Okay, so the men are still speaking, affirming his. Yeah. Um, Here, verse 12. Verse 12. Moreover, May your house be like the house of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah, through the descendants whom the Lord will give you by this young woman. Mm -hmm. It gives us an an insight to how old she actually was. That's it. So, so first of all, remember in episode one how I was saying there is some— there are different and varying beliefs about who wrote the book and why and when. And— is it was it a, a recorded genealogy like a like an actual recorded story that was written in a post-exilic world where they were trying to retain their cultural history and identity or did was it written during the king the reign of king david in order to prop up his reign and make an excuse for him usurping uh Saul as the the king and one of the arguments is <laughs> that their names are too coincidental like, you know, Orpah literally means back of the neck. Mal- Malho- Malhone or means sickness and Chilean means spent and all this other stuff. The Hebrew word is so-and-so for the kinsman redeemer. It's literally like some f-ing guy. That's literally That's awesome. like they didn't even bother to find his actual name or who he was. It's it, the Hebrew word. There's literally translated as like, Oh, so-and-so some That's dude. Great. Yeah. Which I think is really funny and kind of like lends to that whole kind of like maybe some parts of the story were like filled in with so, some creative license. Can I just say mm-hmm. that I love the way Boaz draws so-and-so in. I do. Can I say, as a sales rep, Yes. I'm a real estate agent. I love the art of negotiation. To Mm. me, it's what makes makes sales great. So he draws him in by saying, there is this piece of land. It is needed to be redeemed from Naomi. And the guy's like, yeah, okay. I got some new land. I'm going to be able to, I'm going to be rich and da 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 da. So I'll take it. However, yeah, there's a pause and there's a but, yeah, or a however or whatever he uses there. <clears throat> you must take Ruth, the Moabitess. And that's can you imagine, why the lady can you imagine is this, a tramp. Can you, imagine this, <laughs> can you imagine the so-and-so's face? Oh, yeah. When he hears this. Oh. And he's like, wah, wah. He's going to lose his inheritance. Why? Yes, because it goes. Why does he lose his inheritance? Do you know why? Well, because it goes to because he is redeeming Ch- no, but, Mullins. But when he take no, when he takes the woman, then he loses his inheritance. Do you get why? No, you notice that? I do not. I, I did notice that. I'm so that. confused. It, but I, I, I did I, notice that. I noticed that, but I, I thought it was because he— Because it's in his it's in his family's decision-making. Because it doesn't—it has nothing to do with the redemption, because Boaz is able to redeem her. No problem, right? This means that his father is not going to allow him to inherit his things if he takes on a, a Moabite. Moabite. I mean, that uh, makes sense. that simple. They were racist. There you go. And yeah. Boaz was not. Yep. And the other thing is, too, so that— No, also, no matter how party she it's like was. like Jim Crow right? of Palestine. Exactly. Yep. He would have had— he, Exactly. So he would have nullified his own— Stuff, but I'm gonna cut you off. But which is interesting, exactly. yeah, yeah. But you but also, bring up that tramp up in here? 
Because this also goes back to what we were talking about when we read Deuteronomy chapter 25, verse 5 through 10. Right. When the description of the virate marriage is given, and um, if a brother says, no, I don't want to do that, the woman has the right to remove the brother's sandal, spit in his face, and call him a name in front of everybody. And in front of what's interesting, I think it also at that time is 10. So Boaz was— very judicious when he collected 10 elders because that's also prescribed that if something's going to be done for done for done, it has to be done in front of X amount of witnesses. So he just kind of casually brings in the elders. Like, you know, he's like, oh, let's just talk about this piece of land, you know? But it also means that his marriage to Ruth was recognized and 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 acquiring her huh. was approved of at the same time. It was like a double whammy. He knew how, dude, this dude operated within, the, within the word. right. Within the word, I right? I was trying to fit one in. He knew the word verbatim, and he operated within the word. Yes, he did. He was not stupid. No. Naomi was a beautiful mind. Yeah. And Boaz, this dude was serious. Like, he was the word- He understood the law. Made flesh. Yeah. Well, I, I also love that, catch that the Lord- <laughs> That was pretty smart. The Lord is also seen <laughs> here as well. He goes to the gate, and the guy just- Happens by. to pass by. Come here, friend. Have a seat. And the guy's like, "Do I know you?" That's why we you? laughed. Do That's I know we you? His, we knew his plot. We Do knew I know why we you? Have I, have I met you before? I mean, we don't know if they've ever had any. He calls him friend, but that could just be, "Hey, fella, how you doing? Come over here. I need to talk to you for a sec. I mean, we don't know if they know one another. I mean, it's a small place. It's well, not Bethlehem's the not giant, but it's big. I mean, he knew who he was. Boaz knew who he was for sure. You know, and guy I know. Well, that's the thing. We don't have much information yeah, on old so and so because he's speaks. Old so and speaks, but he he's very general in the way he speaks about it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'll take good. it. If it's a piece of land, I've got this. Well, oh, but now you have to marry this lady. Oh, see, I think that this guy was greedy. Yes, that's where oh, I'm he going. Was with he, saw, he saw the opportunity to obtain land mm-hmm. yeah. and expand his wealth. Expand his wealth. Now, it's possible that this guy already had wives and kids and children, mm-hmm. and he didn't want to mess with his own inheritance because he didn't want to bring strife into his own household by bringing somebody else in. Mm-hmm. And then and then it would have jeopardized, because that piece of land that he thought was going to go to his sons and become part of his inheritance to would have actually gone to her sons. Mm-hmm. Under Well, actually, and here's the thing. In they would have gone Mullins, to N- Naomi's yeah. sons. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. So he would have within the construct. So both he would have maybe lost his inheritance for marrying a Moabite, but also this chunk of land would have caused strife within his own inheritance because it was this, it, it, they would have tilled it and they would have managed it. They would have probably made money on it all right. these years. Yep. And, then, and, and then at the end of, when, when it's quite possible Ruth's it's not racist wife. at all. It could no, be I just think that it was. reason. I think it was. But it could be your reason too, I think though. it's both. Yeah. Because then the they would have the the sons, because it's we don't know. Again, Boaz is older than Ruth. This is discussed. We don't know how old so-and-so is. And we don't know, but the fact that he was passing by the city gate and like coming in to chat, it seems like he probably was also a person of standing that had the right to be at the city gate, like having chit-chats where all legal matters went down, you know? He also so, had something to lose. Not yeah. everybody would have had an inheritance to lose. So it might have been more along the lines of, oh, okay, yes, give me this land because I'm greedy. But then he's like, but you also are going to have to redeem her. And then he thought, uh, and he did. And he does, again, like, bring out she's a Moabitess. Yeah, hmm. and what I like about Boaz's strategy here, like you said, the art of the sale, he tells him what he wants to hear and lets him get all excited about the prospect of it. And then when he reads him the clause, yeah. 
the guy just the guy just rejects it. Whereas if he had led with the clause, the guy might have been mad, feeling like Boaz was robbing him of land. Yeah. So in this way, the guy openly and in front of everyone denounced his right to the land. Uh, yeah. Before. You know oh. what I mean? Bef- you know, he because he, he said, yeah, I'll take it. Oh, wait, no, I don't want it, actually. Instead of saying, I don't want yeah, Ruth, so he, he said, so like, I don't want the land. Yeah, he gave him a so chance. Because I don't want Ruth. Right. God, that was a good move. That, that, so that now, was a good move. You're right. Is, this story is so good. Yeah, this it is. is. One of my favorite books. And and it's because of like all of these kind of like uh, beautiful, because what does the Bible tell us in the New Testament? That we are to be wise as serpents, serpents but, but innocent and harmless as doves. Boaz didn't cause so-and-so any harm. Not at all. Bo- and Boaz didn't do anything wrong. He was given the world. Wrong. And he, he could have lost right. everything that he wanted. Absolutely. And the hot girl. That's yeah. Exactly. And so now Boaz is, is free and clear. Uh, to acquire, I mean, she'd already seen just... his feet. <laughs> <laughs> she already knew what she was getting into. I don't yeah. like. I don't like feet. So. It's like, yeah. I wonder that if that's where we can just stop right yeah, there with the feet. I, I wonder it. if that's where we get the old there saying. Are some of, people, Sarita, you know what they say about men with really big feet? Oh yeah. <gasps> I, I wonder if that's where it comes from. from. Huh. Wow. Like there is such a, it, it could, it could be. be. It could be. I don't know. It feels like a stretch. I agree, I guess. But <laughs> but maybe it is not where it came from, but maybe it's one of those things that's existed for as long as I people mean, had yeah. words for she it. She pulls off the shoe and spits in his face. Well, if no. this was a size 11, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Sorry. Well, I also find it fascinating that like, so they do the whole process of removing the sandal and this is how the law is sealed yeah. that this, you know, so-and-so takes off the sandal and gives it to Boaz, which is interesting because they, you know, the rabbis say that's a completely different thing. But, you know, just in the way that culture grows and moves and shifts and changes, I think it's fascinating that she would have been able to remove his sandal and hit, hit right. him with it and spit in his face. But now here, this guy willingly removes his own sandal and it's the the deal is sealed. So in this Do you remember way, when that happened to George Bush? Yes, in an Islamic in a, Oh in yeah. Islamic culture, when they picked up the shoe and they threw it at him? Yeah. Oh, did you know yes. that there's a, uh, there's a, like a five foot sculpture of that shoe <laughs> somewhere in the Middle East? I learned that the other, I can't remember where. That's, but that like, guy must've had a huge, no, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Sandal. Uh, five right. foot. Sandal. He's Ooh. Bigfoot. No, thank you. I wonder if that's where it came from. Yeah, maybe. Anyway. <laughs> wow, man, we digress. Yeah. Yes. Chasing rabbits. This, uh, yeah. I, why did I, I chase that? Why did I chase that rabbit? Why did I, oh, what did <laughs> yeah, my friend Tamara used to say? My friend Tamara used to say something like that. It was like, why did I chase that rabbit when she couldn't remember why she'd gone, where she went? Mm-hmm. But in any case. God, that that was useless. Cut that from the No, that was an Alice in Wonderland reference. Yeah, That's like, fine. No, for yeah. me, because I just started babbling and had ma- didn't make a point. I just talked for like a full four minutes and made <laughs> zero point. Just de- de- delete that. Anyway, back to the story. So what Boaz does is this brilliant mirror of, honestly, what Naomi did, which is use um, a careful construction of order of events to enact the most benevolent good for everyone involved. Because old so-and-so now gets to walk away from that situation without feeling any bitterness or without feeling any whatever. And Ruth gets to walk away from her experience on the threshing floor, a wife redeemed, not humiliated, 
right? Everybody gets to walk away from that situation feeling empowered and feeling good about their choices and and still being respected in their own eyes and in the eyes of their of their fellow neighbors, you know? Because, I mean, again, back back to if you refuse to perform the Levirate, you know, yeah. duty, that's humil- you could be humiliated. Yeah. And so this man was able to navigate that situation without being sullied or humiliated. Although some rabbis suggest that's why his name is so-and-so. Because mm-hmm. it's supposed to be sort of like in, Deut- in Deuteronomy again, if the, if the brother refuses it, then from that day forward, his house is the house whose sandal has been removed or whatever. Yeah. Um, some oh, so, rabbis suggest yeah. that that's why it's so-and-so. I just think his name was irrelevant. Like he's just like, he's just some guy. An NPC. He's some dude. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, but anyhow. Yeah, All right. So my kids are calling NPC. Yeah, yeah, non-player character. Yeah, yeah exactly. Well, let's finish out then the story because I think, and and I do find it fascinating that, you know, the Lord will give you um, by this young woman, may you know, the children of the Lord will give you by this by this young woman and may your house be like the house of Perez whom Tamar bore to Judah. And you'd been talking about them. And that's the joke. It like, is. Do they know? Do they even know what went down on the threshing floor just a mere one chapter prior? No. <laughs> no, they don't. But right. it's still, or not even, it's not even a full chapter really, I don't think. It's like mm-hmm. within the same context. But they they're basically aligning her with Tamar. Yeah. They're 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 drawing because, which yeah. is again a woman who dressed up like a prostitute and had sex with her father in law and then was called righteous. That's right. So ju- be be kind and be judgment free on the people in your life because this woman dressed up as a prostitute, slept with her father in law and was called righteous. All right, I'll just finish because now we end the story with the genealogy of David. Uh, but there's some interesting points in here. So starting with chapter uh, four, verse 13. So Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife. When they came together, the Lord made her conceive and she bore a son. Then the women said to Naomi, blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without next of kin and may his name be renowned in Israel. He shall be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age for your daughter-in-law who loves you, who is more to you than seven sons has borne him. Then Naomi took the child and laid him in her bosom and became his nurse. The women of the neighborhood gave him a name saying, a son has been born to Naomi. They named him Obed and he became the father of Jesse, the father of David. Now these are the descendants of Perez. Perez became the father of Hezron, Hezron of Ram, Ram of Aminadab, Aminadab of Nashon, Nashon of Salmon, Salmon of Boaz, Boaz of Obed, Obed of Jesse, and Jesse of David. And now you can honestly see there's two things that I picked up on. Number one, the Bible is clear that when she became his wife that they had relations. That tells me they didn't have relations before. I'm sorry. That's just where my brain is at. Not about purity culture. Yeah, sure, I'm sure, just sure, following sure. it, right? Yeah. And then the other thing is what uh, I, I hadn't picked up on before is where it fits in this um, genealogy. Yeah. It's no wonder they'd mentioned Perez. It's because it's in his lineage. Well, yeah. Yo, no, no, yeah. yeah. I know, yeah. but I mean, didn't I didn't pick that. up on you that. Didn't remember that. I didn't pick up on that. Well, and so, and what I, the, and the only argument I have with and that, that is dad was named after a fish. Yeah. And they came together and the Lord made her conceive and she bore a son. See, to me, it just means that they didn't conceive until that moment. Because even when David went in to comfort his wife after the child had died, it says, and he went into her and they, they had a thing. Yeah. It doesn't mean that that was the, that, that wasn't the first time. It's just, that's the time that made 
Solomon. Okay. So it's also possible yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not, that um, it's yeah. it's just that in that mo- like that she wasn't actually pregnant if they did do it on the threshing floor. It wasn't until after yes. the covenant was made that the child a, was born. I'm just a word nerd. Like I like absolutely. You know what I mean? Like I'm digging in. Like if he really wanted us to know, he would have told us about relations. That's how I'm thinking the writers relation. And he knew her. I mean, how many times we hear that? And he knew her. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Knew her. Yeah. But it's okay. But at it's the either same way. time. What happened on that threshing floor was kind of between Stays the two on the of them. Floor. Like you said, like you said, we don't know what happened, and it's also possible again that the original readers of this story wouldn't have needed to be told explicitly. They would have just picked up what was being laid down. It's just that we're so far removed from when that would have happened. What was being laid down, huh? Listen, they would have picked <laughs> it up. But here's the thing: like we don't know if that that this. There are lots of times where certain things are done and said in, especially in law, where for us, we're like, what? But they didn't need an explanation because it was current in their culture. So it's also possible. And again, like I said, I don't have a strong attachment one way or the other to Mm -hmm. whether or not they did or didn't. What I have a strong attachment to is this idea that either way, God was doing what God did. And there's no reason to say they didn't do it in order to preserve a puritanical approach to biblical history if your goal is to preserve a puritanical approach to Christian history, then I might ask that we interrogate that. But if you're just saying, I don't know, I, I don't, they, they, maybe they didn't, whatever. I don't I, care. Uh, if I, she uncovered his penis, if uncovering his feet was amused and uncovering his penis, I have a really hard time believing that a grown man who is an adult, who probably wasn't a virgin, who had a woman come to him smelling good and looking good in the middle of the night and literally puts her hand on yeah, his he bits. Yeah. He's like, well, now hold on a second. When I hope, we got to wait for old But there so-and-so. are some men who have self-control. But there are some men who would. Absolutely. Dude, I didn't even but have to have a girl a, around. That's true. Here's... <laughs> Neither did any of us. Here's the thing. <laughs> yeah. Well, not here's the thing. Here's <laughs> a thing. Um, there are <clears throat> activities that go on in prostitution that are not intercourse. Oh, yeah. There mm, could be true. things she could have un. Covered. covered the bits and pieces, the, the, quig, the twigs and berries, if you will, and other things happened, <laughs> yeah. but not that. That's true. That's not wrong. No, that's, that's not wrong. And you can all, we can all be right. I'm, I'm just saying, there's, yeah. there, there, we, and it's really, they could have fooled me, around, is what you're saying. They could have fooled around, but they could have just avoided not, sex. That part, that whatever happened, mm-hmm. is not, is not important. Yeah. To the outcome of the story. Right, it doesn't change the story. Yeah. It, it, sure. Whether yeah. she was, whether she wasn't, whether he was, whether he whether he did, whether he didn't, whatever that is, what this picture is a picture of is a redeemer. An unredeemable being redeemed by the redeemer. Dressed paying, in a Moabite clothing. Paying, <laughs> you know, a yeah. ransom, yeah. if you will. Mm-hmm. She even my Bible the Bible that I used with Aunt, that was Andy's uses the word slave. Mm-hmm. She yep. yours used servant. Mm-hmm. But the picture of God's ransom through Jesus' blood is a picture of paying for a slave's you, you're buying that slave. Right. Yeah. And it costs Jesus Christ his blood. But if you go back from Jesus Christ, his kinsman redeemer bought this woman mm-hmm. and basically made yeah. an honest woman out of her. Yeah, I think we've said that before. Somebody has said that before. He made an honest woman out of you. Well, you know, that's what he did. 
and and the ransom was paid, the redemption was made. She was in the eyes of the Jewish people, mm-hmm. irredeemable, but not in the eyes of God and not in the eyes of Boaz. So much to the point that she gets into the lineage That's right. of the Lord and Savior, the Jesus DNA. Christ. Yes. The DNA. And the Bible yeah. says she is better to you, Naomi, than the perfection of seven sons. That's right. Woo, girl. Seven sons, the per- perfect number. Yeah. This one Moabitess daughter-in-law daughter-in-law yeah. is yeah. better to you than if you had had seven perfect boys. That's right. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You, you know tell me the Lord doesn't love women. You tell me right now that God does. does not look down on women and say, yes, I made a good thing. Lift them up. Something that I love too is that all of the the neighbor women it said that mm-hmm. came around said a son has been born unto Naomi. Naomi. Never mentioned Ruth. And no. she nursed him. And she nursed him. She became his nurse. Wow. Hmm. Yeah. She must have not been very old either because she still hung the thing. Well, she said, I wouldn't be able to make children for you. I'm curious about that nursing because I know she I, says. I don't think she was milking the, I don't think that. that but was, anytime the Bible uses the word nurse, like with Moses. That's Well, that was his mother though. And she just had the baby. But that's the same. With, if but that's the English translation. True. We might want to let that, that's a perfect okay. example of we should, because I think that. Essentially, she took care of him. She was his man. It became her son. Men could be pacifiers, technically, and men have been in other cultures. Yeah, it's that is not an uncommon. That's uh, why we have nipples, right? It is not uncommon not, in a lot of indigenous cultures if if the mom's not around for the father to. Yeah, if you don't have a Walmart nearby, which is two thirds of the world, right? Yeah. Then if you need to put a put something in a crying baby's mouth, it's not at all uncommon for and fathers call, to do now that. Now it is in America; it's uncommon, but everywhere else in the world, they just they got to do what they got to do. Because we're weird about gender politics. We are weird about everything. Yeah, we're weird about weird a lot about of stuff. stuff. There's absolutely nothing but wrong. We're the best with with yeah Eagles. with a father dry nursing its child if that. Brings comfort, absolutely nothing. Especially Eagles with explosives. <laughs> Eagles. Yeah, that sounds like a good but, band name. But yeah. I do like that she she took this kid and basically is going to raise this kid. Yeah, as her own. As her own. Yeah, and and, and just. It's, yeah, because it's an amazing. It's just amazing to me. Yeah, that's what's fascinating too. Because like the idea of the Levirate marriage was so that the name wouldn't be blotted out. So the sister, you know, or the brother took a woman and had a, a nephew. That's really close. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is Naomi's daughter-in-law who has been redeeming from this random extra person way over here. You know, like it's the amount of hoops that had to be jumped through and the distance from actual relation that occurred for Naomi to be given this son who the names, who the women in the community name. Right, not yeah. Ruth doesn't even name her own son, which in some circles, in some reads of the Bible, is also affirmation of the sort of racist ideology and like they, we don't even want her to name the kid because we don't even want the child. We don't want this child to have any Moabite identity, so we we are going to remove him from huh. that identity as much as possible by not even allowing this Moabite woman to name him. I don't go that far. I feel like that's a little that's like from the Women's Commentary Bible, so that's like a little bit. That's a little far for me, but I can appreciate that if you are of Moabite identity and you read this that story, you might you might have some feels. But if you fast forward to the New Testament, mm. when Jesus says, "Whatever you do to the least of these, you do also unto That's me," right? Ruth was mm. essentially a foreigner, mm-hmm. outcast, mm-hmm. poor, mm-hmm. husbandless, childless, husbandless, childless, worthless. Absolutely, she was the definition of the least. Of these, yeah, and God saw fit to see her 
Yeah. This gets me. Yeah. Because I have been that woman. Yeah. I have been the woman who's been forgotten, who's been lied to, who's been hurt. Mm-hmm. And Jesus saw me and sent me a husband who is my kinsman redeemer. He's not really related to me, but he— I hope not. He brought no. me— <laughs> He brought me. The I'm adopted. I'm, I'm adopted. It's possible. But he brought it's me. To, he brought me to the Lord, who is my yeah. redeemer. Yeah. He he introduced me to this Jesus, mm-hmm. who redeemed me and said, "Listen, I'm going to pick you up out of this dirt and filth and grime, and I'm going to clean you up, and I'm going to wash you in my blood, and you are going to be as white as snow, and I see you because I had not been seen. I couldn't even see myself." I was so broken. This woman was broken to the point that she would maybe prostitute herself. Yeah. I have not been that broken. But I gave it away for free. But, but yeah. <laughs> Jeez, if were, I'd only known. That was great. Yeah, yeah. But, but I know she what was you mean. so broken. Yeah. And he saw her and yeah. cared for her enough to pick her up and put her in the lineage of the Savior Include of the her. world. Include her. Include her. Yes. You know, I know. I know. It just gets me. It I'm gets over me. here. I'm all teary. <laughs> it's a beautiful story. And I, and I, and I, just I'm like so, Esther, it's a beautiful story. Oh, do not, I'm so sad. I never do, got to be here for being a part of that. Do not. Mm-hmm. And I tell my teenage girls that I teach at church. Just because you're a 15-year-old girl or a 14-year-old girl doesn't mean you don't have some worth to the kingdom of God. That's right. Now get out there and do kingdom business. Amen. That's right. Don't you let somebody important. tell you that just because you're a young girl that you don't have any value or any worth because Jesus sees you as he saw Esther, he saw Ruth, That's right. and they changed the as world he saw Mary. because they were faithful to do what he wanted them to do and marry. Yes, because they were faithful. That's and it. they were worthy, and they were women of excellence, despite mm-hmm. what the culture had forced them into or made them into. That's right. So, and I try to tell them: be women of excellence. Mm-hmm. Go forth and 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 empower the kingdom of God. Just because you're 15 doesn't mean you can't do that. Yeah. Change That's your right. world. Don't wait for the world to change. You change it. And you don't have to wait for the world to be perfect to walk in it in integrity. Mm-hmm. You can walk in all kinds of places with integrity, like Ruth did. Ruth walked with integrity. In that space. Yep. She did, you know, and and look what it got her. You know, and what's also, and now, so this is just a completely random aside. Mm-hmm. I, I also find it fascinating because it's not that far to King David. It's not no, that far. No, how it was, you just named it. Great-grandparents. Yeah. Obed, Great-grandparents. Jesse, David. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's Granddad, dad. <laughs> that yeah, was Speaking of twigs and berries. <laughs> so it was, the this, cat great, just almost got it was him. this great grandmother who was Ruth, and then yeah. it was great great grandmother who was Naomi. That's right. Very and, close. And he could have met them, actually. Well, if and they that's had the lived, thing. yeah, to be older. But they could. Yeah. He could have met them. For sure. If we, I want to find it because I, I prefer to, to say things. I prefer, let's see, I have to Google it. Um, it's in first Samuel that, uh, when David is running from Saul, that he goes and hangs out with and becomes a paid, a, a hired gun for the Moabites and for the right. king of the Moabites. Um, was he with Ruth, Ruth's distant family? I don't know. That's or what Orpah's I, family? Or, or, or like, okay, so I don't necessarily need to look it up. We can just like take it on my word that that happens. Or do you want me to find it exactly? No, he hangs out in Moab a lot. Yeah. David yeah. hangs out in Moab a lot. And I think it's because he has he's blood related. Yes, uh, yes, for sure. 
I'm sorry. I'm still Googling it. That's the one thing I should have done before I came in here today. I was pretty good. Well, you could always put the onus on the audience to look it up. You know. Have, oh, yeah. Go look David, it up. You know, go look, look up where up David goes to Moab. You know, And you know that his great-grandmother was from there. Yeah. Or, or, or someplace. So I can't, I can't find it. she's in the annals of their of the history of the Israelite kings. I mean. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, so I think that like that kind of lends a little, like the way that the story ends and like the elevation of this Moabite woman, it also could be, again, back to that whole idea that it was written during the time of David to sort of um, justify his lineage and justify him taking over the throne because it was, it was he usurped Saul, he theoretically. Did. Even though it was God that did it, you know? Um, God did it. And it's a wonderful story about God choosing well, his worthy. But it's almost like because he spent so much time in Moab, I wonder if his if his roots weren't that far removed, if there were some cultural ties and would, they had to find some way to make David's being one sixteenth Moabite okay. You would have, I don't know. You would hear a similar argument about the book of Matthew, you know, when it gives the birth narrative of Jesus, because mm-hmm. in the book of Mark, it doesn't even mention the birth narrative of Jesus. Um, it just talks about his rebirth or the moment when the spirit comes down on him in the form of dove and he has the Holy Spirit and goes into the wilderness. Matthew goes back and because they know that Isaiah has told him that a young woman is going to have a son, you know, and you could say a virgin or whatever, but um, that had to be told. And so they go back because the reality is when Nathaniel heard about Jesus— and they were like, yeah, he's from Nazareth. He's like, uh, does anything good come from Nazareth? I don't remember anything in the Bible about it. That's because he was supposed to have been born in Bethlehem, Ephrata, which is where this story takes place. Uh-huh. Right? And which is the house of bread, which is David, which is where David, yep. the house and lineage of David comes from. So it's interesting, you know, it's almost like the same thing happened to Jesus. Like they had to justify yep. who this king was yep. and how he was usurping Herod and or whomever else it would have been at the time. It's a long story of the same story. Yeah, it's over and over favor and over. It does, being, it does repeat. Yeah. It yeah, does. Favor being chosen by God and related to the person's faithfulness to, to God mm-hmm. rather than their genetic and, you know— earthly right, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's just fascinating stuff. I would like to pose a situation. So the threshing po- floor thing with the prostitutes, can you imagine? So Billy owns a sawmill. Sorry, Billy, I'm going to drag you into this. Can you imagine if there was a particular time of the year when all the logs came in, they all worked like crazy and then just stayed there all night and then got up at work the next day. But you knew that, you knew, everybody knew, literally everybody knew that prostitutes would just go there because they would know that the men would be there. Mm. With money. And you knew. Yeah. You knew. You knew. Your neighbor knew. Their neighbor knew. Everybody knew. Yep. And they would sleep there and they would work their asses off and there would be prostitutes there every night. And it was just common knowledge. Yeah. That's a different world. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Because well, you know your husband's laying in that threshing floor. Oh, <laughs> yeah, some girl. of them did. I never even thought about some that. Of them, some of them absolutely would have. They would have known their husband stayed on the threshing floor and whatever, if if he's right and everybody goes down yeah. and knows that that's going on. Yeah, every, you, everybody would have known. You may like to think that your husband it. wouldn't do that. Yeah. Judah was some married some when he slept would, with Tamar. Hey, you know, some of them would. Yeah. Judah was married and had a wife when he slept with Tamar. Yeah. Right? Yes. So it's like, I don't think. Well, no, his wife was dead. Was she? Yeah, he I was a widower. Remember. Oh, he was? Is that why he didn't want to get? I can't remember that part. Yeah, his wife was already dead. Oh, okay. Well, never mind then. Skip it. Who knows? I mean, Who knows? Dude, and the, you know, the Solomon other- 
mm-hmm. slept with a thousand women that we know of that are recorded, which were the concubines and the wives. Mm-hmm. That's a thousand. That's the son of David. That's crazy. A thousand women. Uh, although- that's more. <laughs> That's more than Will Chamberlain. <laughs> <laughs> I was saying that that Kinda. name went through my mind. Yeah, but I mean, Who? The, Will Chamberlain. He's a basketball player. Oh, from the okay. Infamous, <laughs> infamous, infamous for, for, just for like, yeah. sleeping with anything that moves. Yeah, six oh. women at a, six women at the same time at night. You know, that's just after a ball game. Oh, okay. Yeah, gotcha. he's a, a, a Lothar, what they call it, Lothario. Isn't that what they say that? Uh-uh. Uh, well, I don't know that one yet. Oh, we got to look that word up and teach our audience. Isn't oh, it Lothario? It. I have no idea. Yeah, anyway. That's I also a, don't that know would what be a Shakespearean. About. I also don't know what you're talking Lothario? about. Think? Is that Shakespearean? Yes. Well, let's see. L-O-T-H-A-R-I-O. I think I have that random knowledge floating around in my Lothario brain. Lothario meaning is a man who behaves selfishly and irresponsibly in his sexual relationships with women. <laughs> That's a good word. I know the word. Let's see what, how That's Google responds. That's a good word. I like that word. Lothario. It was more of a low. Let's see. Lutherio. <laughs> I don't get it. Lutherio. Look, our, our vocab lesson for the day. Yeah, I hope you learned. It's, a, so it's now. an interesting word. It was pretty, I can't believe, you know where I got it from? I got it from a movie, of course. So it says right here, mid-18th century from a character in Rose Fair Penitent, 1703. The name had earlier been used in Spanish in Don Quixote, 1605 to 1615 by Cervantes. Don okay, Quixote, because okay. I had to read that in Spanish in Spanish 501, because that's what I have my degree in. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. That's intense. You had to read that in Spanish? And I had to reenact it. It's like not no. a small book, really, is it? No. Not. I had to yeah. read it in Spanish, and I had to do a reenactment of one of the scenes. So we fought a windmill. It was great. It I have this oh really nice—sorry. I have this really nice leather-bound copy of that book, and I've never read it. I I've never read it, read it either. Uh, the, uh, the best I've done is read some of Gabriel, Gabriel Garcia Marquez's short stories in Spanish, but I can't mm. imagine reading Don Quixote in Spanish. That's—I only got Spanish three. Awesome. I got to and Spanish Favo too. That's a phenomenal. I wish you would teach me better Spanish. And so do my kids. I just have to <laughs> say, what a great study you did. Thank this you so awesome. much. This is awesome. Oh, yeah. Yep. Well, wow. I mean, it's, yeah. what a great study I did, but I wouldn't have gotten anywhere if it wasn't for the input of you all as well. This is a conversational podcast. You know? Oh, I know, but and you I just, love that. It was I'm awesome. glad. I'm, but it, it enriches the study. I mean, I maybe do the study, but I, could, I can't put clothes on it by myself. So I'm grateful that you all came in today, especially you, Sarita. I'm glad that you were able to come in and be a part of this. This was a lot yeah. of fun. Sorry, I got on, only got in on the second half of I it. mean, she walked in here and uncovered the feet, man. <laughs> Don't no, tell her, don't no, tell her no, I did not. <laughs> Children, I did not do that. No. Yeah. Well, folks, I, love it. I did not take my shoes off. Yeah, she's yeah. currently showing or us her shoes. Or anyone else's, yeah. Or anyone else. Yeah. Stinky feet. Well, folks, thank you all for, for hanging out with us and listening. And uh, we'll see you next time on the Burrows of Berea, Notes from the Underground. Mm, Bye, y'all. Bye. Hey, guys, this is Rick from the Burrows of Berea. Do you know how much blood, sweat, and tears it takes to make a podcast? None. But that doesn't mean that it doesn't cost a lot. And so if you guys don't mind, if anybody would like to give to help us with these episodes, it would be great. We'll put out even more content. And if you go to our Patreon page, just search for the Burrows of Berea, you'll get extra notes, extra episodes, and it's pretty much free. A dollar gets you a lot. Thanks, guys. Sure. It was, it was still... It's still exploitation and yeah. desperation wrapped in and around a woman's body who's the only person who suffers when that happens. Correct. So yeah. anyway, that kind of went on yesterday, but, you know, I just wanted her to what know... What did she decide? She's going to keep the baby. Yeah. 
Yeah. Oh, that makes me cry. <laughs> but the ultimate thing was, but I, was, I feel so sad for that baby. What's it being born into? Just shit. But I, I did share how much God loved her. Yeah. How much God saw her. Yeah. He sees her. Yeah. And ultimately, if that's all they hear when before yeah. they leave, that's that's important to Do me. Do you help them access resources yes. too, like WIC and food stamps yep. and you know Medicaid, prenatal Spart- care, Spartanburg has access for someone like her. Spartanburg has access. Uh, Spartanburg access help Spartanburg. Yeah. And we have, then we give them all the information that they need to get WIC, Medicaid. Yeah. Um, we have a maternity loan closet with oh, maternity clothes. Oh, I have a bunch of stuff. Do you want them? Yeah. I've been saving them in a bag forever because I don't know where they should go. We have, well, we have a loan closet and then for maternity clothes and we have a loan closet for baby clothes up to 4T. Yeah, like the bear closet that we have here at the Methodist Church. I didn't know about that. It's a baby equipment and resource and apparel room. And what they do is it's they just collect baby stuff. And if you need it, you call them. And then when you're done with it, you give it back. Yeah, then you get the next size up, up to 14. Yep. And then once a month, we do a diaper wipe drive, th- uh, formula drive through. So you can roll up in a Bentley. We don't check. Yeah, and that's how the bear closet is. Well, if you have a maternity closet, because I've been trying to find like a maternity I closet. Do. We do. I'll bring those to you. Yes. Okay. All right. And we're always needing... We have giant stuff, but you're so tiny. So some of these teenage girls that come in that are need of that, but they don't want to wear old lady stuff. giant clothes. I have cute stuff. And I have some stuff that's like, this is a, a nursing dress, but I have some really cute like maternity stuff that's yeah. pretty and cute. And yes. some of it's small that I didn't even wear because it was too small for me. Right. So, well, I'll take that next time we meet then. 